0: Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 11th day of the 11th month, 2023. I'm your host, Mark Hall. Let's start off our look back at the week, not with a look way back at history on this date and an earlier world war, but in fact, with World War Three, kind of the next big war. But this is also arguably news on the Star Wars and space weapons front. And it comes courtesy of Armstrong Economics and originally the Sydney Morning Herald where Martin notes that in what is being called a first, an important step in international warfare, Israel has shot down a ballistic missile in space fired from Yemen. Their aero missile defense system has shot down a ballistic missile outside of Earth's atmosphere. The first time in warfare history this has taken place in space. This was, it says, an Iranian missile launched from Yemen by the Iran-backed Houthis, who have declared war on Israel. The missile traveled out of the Earth's atmosphere in hopes of avoiding all radar. Thus, it would be a surprise attack and flew nearly a 1,000 miles, about 1,600 kilometers, over the Arabian Peninsula outside the atmosphere and then would have turned down targeting the Israeli port city of Elat. Says the story from Armstrong Economics, it seems to have ushered in a new level of warfare. Here's another story that deserves a lot more press coverage than you know it's going to get. And if we don't talk about it up front, it probably will disappear completely. The first three pages of that long-missing transgender school shooter, so-called Audrey Hale, And his, her, its manifesto has been leaked to the press. Following that March 27 attack and what else? A gun-free killing zone that left three nine-year-old school kids and three adults dead until it became not quite so gun-free, of course. Just days before the tranny day of violence scheduled for April Fool's Day. Stephen Crowder was among those that reviewed the manifesto, going through it line by line. Some of the highlights of what the author itself called the Death Day Manifesto included targeting, quote, crackers with white privileges. I want to kill all you little crackers, it says. I hope I have a high death count, said another comment. I'm ready. I hope my victims aren't. I guess he, she, it knew that that was a great bet. Well, it lasted anyway until the two cops showed up and took her out. In a school gun-free killing zone. But the thing that I think is most interesting is how quickly Two-Facebook moved to make sure that nobody finds anything more about what was really going on there because, you know, we have a narrative to sell. As Zero Hedge's 1130 Eastern update put it, to the surprise of absolutely no one, Two-Facebook, they spelled it wrong, immediately censored the Nashville Shooters Manifesto. And surprise, you can see what happens now when things don't fit the white supremacist narrative, can't you? No wonder the FBI tries so hard to cover all this up. That manifesto continues the story, which one official described as astronomically dangerous, and you gotta wonder to whose agenda, was originally set to be released back in May until the Nashville PD reversed course and mysteriously said, no, it'll just be released soon. And you know what that means? With the FBI on the job, you may live to see it, or maybe your grandkids will. One week after the stonewalling began, the National Police Association joined the Metro Government of Nashville and Davidson County in suing for all the records related to that March 27 shooting at the Covenant School in Nashville, saying they've asked for any manifestos, emails, and other communications relating to the case. It was the second lawsuit filed over the shooting. Here's another no surprise. The FBI also denied a request for Hale's manifesto telling the Epic Times that U.S. code exempts from disclosure any records or information compiled for law enforcement that could, quote, reasonably be expected to interfere with enforcement proceedings, unquote. And they don't say it, but I think it's worth pointing out, or the narrative that is going to replace actual investigation. What Zero Hedge does tell us is that these so-called enforcement proceedings weren't cited in the letter, and it's also unclear what they might be in reference to, given that the single lone gunman suspect, Audrey Elizabeth Hale, died at the scene after good guys with guns showed up. And for now at least, no word on when or if the rest will ever be released. So don't hold your breath as to which SSRIs this uh, lone gunman shooter might have been on or how much testosterone he or she was taking Next, we turn to a different front in the war on things Big Brother doesn't want you to see or hear or know about. Dinesh D'Souza's new movie, Police State, has been released. Says the Gateway Pundits coverage, the Biden regime's brutal and unprecedented political persecution of ordinary Americans was released at theaters around the United States last week. Dinesh D'Souza also took his film to Mar-a-Lago for a premiere at President Trump's home. But the headline has to do with the police state itself and its attack on the movie. Newsweek reported on the incident, saying that D'Souza notes he's run into several odd problems in the distribution and marketing of the film, which he says has thus far played for two nights at mostly sold-out theaters, made about a million and a half bucks. But he accused the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, sick, of the U.S. Department of the Treasury, of intercepting a $106,000 payment to Salem Media to purchase ads for the movie. And I'll say it again, it does seem more and more like Big Brother just doesn't want you to know certain things. In an interview with TGP's Jim Hoff, Dinesh described, they said how surprised he was that the government agency that allegedly enforces sanctions against terrorists and narcotics traffickers would instead go after his latest movie. And by the way, he added, the name of the group has to do with foreign transactions, and this is a domestic wire transfer, again, for a very simple manifest purpose. We're happy to pay, he said, by check or some other way, but evidently OFAC, at least so far, has refused to release those funds. So we're kind of at an impasse. They're demanding information that we're not in a position to be able to provide. I'm confident this will eventually be resolved, he said, but nevertheless, I do think this is a tactic that some agencies sometimes do to hassle with people. TGP notes that finally, after they contacted the OFAC and asked what was going on, Late last week, the story says in an update, the funds finally have been returned to Dinesh D'Souza. From Police State, let's turn next to Banana Republic, Star Chambers and Circuses masquerading as courts of law. Starting with the infamous Obama mouthpiece, District Judge Tanya Chuktan and her gag order against President Trump that says, you can say nothing, we can say anything we want, and what are you going to do about it? But a federal appeals court on Friday reported CNN, the Gateway Planner and others has temporarily at least frozen that gag order against Donald Trump in the so-called election subversion criminal case, what a joke, in Washington, D.C., after a three-judge panel, Democrats all, what would you expect?, Finally, they'll manage to read enough of the law to say, well, we're going to pause that gag order to give them more time to consider that request to also pause the order while his appeal plays out before the court. Maybe if he just says, Mother, may I enough? But it gets worse, and the contrast here is kind of striking. There are some other gag orders you're not hearing about, for example, do you remember how there were 82,000 pages of emails that we talked about late last week, the Daily Mail even released it, where Joe Biden has more aliases than Barack Hussein Obama, Barry Sabarco, Barry Sotero, and you name it, a.k.a. Robert L. Peters et al., not counting mob nicknames like the big guy. I guess if you're taking that many bribes and laundering that much money for that many foreign interests, it helps. Anyway, it seems like it's not just the FBI, CIA, and other three-letter agencies that are carrying water for the scumbag. The National Archives, too, is helping with the cover-up. They're withholding 99.98% of all the Joe Biden alias emails, according to House Oversight Chairman James Comer. This after they previously confirmed through a FOIA request and response that they found 5,138 email messages and 25 electronic files pertaining to known Joe Biden pseudonym accounts. But after missing the deadline to turn over the requested documents, the National Archives says they located those 82,000, give or take, pages of emails that the then-Vice President sent and received on three separate private pseudonym accounts to conduct illicit business deals with criminals and other foreign officials. Well, James Comer has now told the news that the National Archives has thus far, at least, only turned over 14 pages out of the 82,000 and can you imagine this? He accused the National Archives of failing to be transparent. And if this sounds familiar, folks, you may be thinking back to the time when fired FBI Director James Comey and C.I. Chief Peter Strzok discussed charging Hillary Clinton because, you know, she did commit all kinds of felonies from arguably influence peddling and bribery to outright treason. But the actual term, as you may recall, was Gross negligence undermining national security, but they changed that wording away from gross negligence, which was a chargeable crime, to extremely careless, which means, hey, you got away with it. To this day, Hitler claims that emails erased with bleach bit and FBI assistance from her private disk drives and server were mainly about Chelsea Clinton's wedding. Oh, yeah, and maybe a little bit of yoga here and there. Nope, not even so much as a dead list to be seen. And some people can keep confidential documents in their garage, right, by their prized Corvette, if you, too, have the same kind of really good connections with various three-letter agencies. On the other hand, if you want to make America great again, you'll probably end up in the gulag at a minimum. They'll take away your stuff, and that's only if they don't kill you outright. Which brings us to the circus trial du jour in the center ring. Donald Trump is testifying in New York at the so-called fraud trial, which really is a fraudulent trial, folks. It's just not what they're telling you. And the black-robed scumbag, Arthur Engeron, masquerading as a judge, told the legal team for the president to get that guy under control or else. And some of this, folks, really would be funny if it wasn't so outright Orwellian. Says the Daily Mail's coverage, Donald Trump delivered yet another series of blistering attacks on New York's so-called Attorney General, Letitia James, and the hanging judge in his fraud trial as the fiery testimony continued on Monday morning. The furious 77-year-old actually elected president singled out the scumbag in the front row of the court, which scumbag? Yeah, the Attorney General, and accused her of being (laughs) what she is, obviously, and he's being kind, I think, a political hack who brought the quarter-billion-dollar fraud case against him – with no actual crime and no actual victim, in order to help her become first attorney general and later New York governor. The former president, who had appeared calm and collected for much of the morning's testimony, became somewhat animated and audibly frustrated as he attacked James and the black-robed scumbag. The frontrunner says Daily Mail's coverage in the Republican presidential race and, by the way, in the general election, I also pointed out that the scumbag behind the bench and berated him for calling Trump a fraud, even though he, quote, didn't know anything about me. Adding, he claims I'm a fraud because I, quote, didn't value my property correctly, said Trump. He's the one who didn't rule my property correctly, said Trump. The judge's decision to grossly undervalue Mar-a-Lago by a factor of, uh, well, by his own admission, 2,300%. Trump said, either people are very stupid or there is a fraud. The fraud is on behalf of the court, he said. I'm worth billions of dollars more than the financial statements he insisted, and anything that would be a little bit off would be non-material. And you're probably aware of this, folks, because it really is a bad joke, and it's one of the great big lies here. The judge claims that Mar-a-Lago is only worth 18 million bucks. Here's one of the lines I think was funny. The black robe priest of another god who's called Trump a wacko said, this is not a political rally, unquote. And I can't help but think what he was probably saying under his breath was, and if we get our way, you'll never have another one of those as long as any of us live. He threatened to throw the president out of court, saying, I'll excuse him and I'll draw every negative inference that I can. Do you understand, unquote. And I can't help but thank everybody that was listening. Schroeder said, what difference does it make whether he's there or not? You draw every negative inference, and then you rule on it regardless. And isn't that really what the definition of a circus trial boils down to? You're guilty, boy, and we're going to get that evidence here if we have to make it up. Can anybody even remotely suggest that there's anything, well, even remotely akin to fair and equitable treatment of the law? Or a Lady Liberty wearing a blindfold? The only blindfolds here are those that won't pay attention to what's going on right before their very eyes. And those so-called scales of justice folks are literally being sat on by these pigs there in New York. Oh yeah, remember George Orwell's pigs from Animal Farm? All animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. Wink, oink. And this would be laughable if it wasn't such a great, big, stinking lie. Engerrand also told Trump lawyer Alina Habba to sit down when she assisted the court actually should listen to Trump's lengthy answers. No, said the so-called judge. I'm not here to hear what he has to say. I'm here to hear him answer questions, he said. During one of the confrontations, the president muttered, this is a very unfair trial, very, very, and I hope the public is watching. From there, let's turn to some of the other rings in the circus trial, starting with a piece that appeared originally on MSNBC, so take it with a grain of salt. But Donald Trump, they claim, has claimed that he won all 50 states in the 2020 U.S. election at a Florida event where two of his so-called rivals, not really, folks, for the Republican presidential primaries, they're barely even blips on the radar, were booed for suggesting the party should dump the guy who's actually trouncing all the rest of the field before his legal woes catch up with him. Mr. Trump, says MSNBC, faces 91, and I'm going to put one word in here, bogus criminal charges across four indictments, two of which are related to, if you can believe it, election interference. When in fact, it's those that are rigging the elections that are guilty of pre-election interference too. And listen to this, despite soundly losing the 2020 election. That's my story. Oh, that's my story. But that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And let's not forget what Adolf said, folks. You tell a great big whopper of a lie, and you keep telling it, and you keep telling it. And if you get caught, you double down, and eventually people will swallow it. Oh, yeah. The senile basement dweller actually did get more votes than any other actual popular elected Democrat president in American history. So they lie again and again and again. Trump lost the 2020 election soundly to Joe Biden by more than 7 million rigged votes. Again, one more word makes the truth come out. Trump continues to push discredited claims, sick of widespread election fraud. Somewhere, I can't help but think Adolf Hitler is actually blushing at that one. And referring to his victories in the Republican primaries in the run-up to the 2020 U.S. election, he said, quote, we won the last time 50 states. Think of it, 50 states. We won every state. We then did great in the election. We got 12 million more votes or so than we got the first time. The whole thing, he said, and folks, this is undeniable, is a lie. The whole election is a lie. Now, I like the comment here from author Vox Day, who says, I have no doubt whatsoever that Donald Trump's correct, that the discreditors are those who themselves are discredited by their refusal to admit the widespread, obvious, undeniable, statistically impossible, I put a couple of words in there, election fraud. The reason? Donald Trump did, in fact, this is undeniable, get considerably more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016. And there's no way, absolutely no way in this or any other universe, says the author here, that Biden received more votes in Minnesota than Hillary Clinton did in 2016 or Barack Obama in 2012 and 2012 two thousand and eight. No way whatsoever. And this author, by the way, is from Minnesota. There's no quantity of mushrooms, DMT, or other hallucinogenics, he continued, that would render that scenario even remotely imaginable. And no way would anybody believe that the Biden fear who never came out of his basement and couldn't draw a crowd big enough to fill a high school broom closet, much less a gymnasium, and now even the blind have realized, yeah, really was senile. He's more senile now than he was, and it was pretty awful then couldn't possibly have gotten 81 million votes. No, he didn't win the U.S. popular vote. He didn't win the election. And as one interesting meme puts it, it's really stupid to compare Biden to Hitler. There follows the famous picture of Biden waving his fists in the air like Adolf did in front of a red background that looks strangely Hitlerian. The point? Hitler was actually elected. Which leads me to what I'm going to call a related story. Courtesy of ABC News, but it's the Gateway Pundit that pointed it out. Their ABC panel on the Sunday news shows openly discussed Joe Biden, the senile but criminal mob boss, the allegedly at least most popular president in U.S. history, stepping aside and being replaced by another pick-one-anyone-please Democrat after yet another new New York Times poll showed that Trump is leading the senile traitor and even all of his body doubles in five crucial swing states. And if the New York Times is admitting it, folks, given how we know the polls are rigged, that means they are really, really trying to cover something up and failing. Suggests Christina Layla for TGP, the media has evidently been given the green light to throw Joe Biden in the trash can. He's currently lagging behind Trump in five of the six most crucial battleground states as the 2024 election approaches, according to New Polls. That weren't quite rigged enough, it would seem, by the New York Times and Siena College. Turns out Americans just aren't happy with persistent inflation, high gas prices, Bidenomics, wars, rumors of wars, military-aged males invading the southern border, and, of course, the complete destruction of the once-free United States. The New York Times poll shows Trump leading by 10 points in Nevada, 6 in Georgia, 5 in Arizona, 5 in Michigan, and 4 in Pennsylvania. And given what you know is being done with the numbers, that is damning indeed. Said Steffi Stephanopoulos in a gross admission concerning the new poll, this is probably going to lead to a lot of Democrats increasing chatter that Joe Biden should step aside and make room for another Democrat. Voters are just plain frustrated, he said. Gee, do you think? Across the board, 76% of adults in this poll say the country is headed in the wrong direction, unquote. (laughs) And if that wasn't funny enough, AP Executive Director Julie Pace chimed in and said, they just don't know who that Democrat might be right now. (laughs) And she added, I don't think people look at Kamala Harris and feel like she is ready. Unquote. Unless, of course, you mean ready to turn another trick if she thought that would get her into the, well, Lincoln bedroom, Oval Office, whatever. Folks, this is beyond a joke. It's not funny, but it is, in fact, (sighs) revealing, certainly even damning. When it comes to news of the destruction of the United States, the increasingly undeniable invasion across the southern border, and all of the things that are fixing to be unleashed against a nation that has failed at being an empire, this story from Zero Hedge has something very deep within it that I think is, uh, well, worth pointing out. Iran warns Americans, says the headline from Zero Hedge, that they will be, quote, hit hard if a Gaza ceasefire is not reached. As the regime's so-called CIA director is on a secretive trip To the region in order to, uh, what, broker some kind of a deal for peace? Have you ever seen this regime even remotely do anything in that direction? Well, several paragraphs down, the story says, Tehran has now warned the United States that it will be hit hard if it can't press Israel to accept a ceasefire. Quote, our advice to the Americans is to immediately stop the war in Gaza and implement a ceasefire. Otherwise, they will be hit hard, said Iranian Defense Minister Mohammad Reza Ashtiani according to the semi-official Tasneem News Agency on Sunday. Now, I shouldn't have to say this, folks, but I guess a reminder is helpful. Bear in mind that the open southern border, not to mention a power grid that's been engineered with vulnerabilities and failures, just ready to be used, makes that a whole lot easier for any of the thousands of terrorists already in place than you might otherwise think. They just have to blame it on something white bread enough that the Biden regime will cover it up for them. Now at this point, folks, I'm going to go to a story that I'll admit just downright pisses me off. And I apologize for the language, but hey, sometimes you just got to tell it like it is. And that's a big part of why I think some of the stories we're doing this evening are so important. This comes from Keith Griffith writing for the Daily Mail, and the headline is kind of partly at least as irritating as it should be, but wait a second, we'll get to the rest. Major Airlines post-COVID hiring spree, it says, is now thrusting more junior pilots behind the controls of larger planes, raising safety concerns from what they laughably call Experts, Yep, says the piece, the post-pandemic surge in major airline hiring has promoted more pilots to the controls of larger planes that they have less experience with, thus raising potential safety concerns according to industry experts and pilots' unions. Major U.S. airlines, it says, have added nearly 10,000 pilots so far this year, putting them on a pace to shatter the record pilot hiring spree of more than 13,000 last year, according to data reported by the Wall Street Journal. Now, here's what they're not telling you. Why do they need to hire so many pilots? Well, not counting those that died or croaked behind the controls. There are a whole lot of pilots that said, the hell with you, I'm not going to take that Zyklon B injection. I have more respect for my own life, my health, my family, and of course, even the people whose lives are in my hands. If I do die of a heart attack or myocarditis or a stroke or whatever it might be, there are literally legions of known side effects now that are causing pilots and others to die after the Zyklon B injections. And of course, let's not forget the FAA. AA famously – well, no, really, not famously at all. They hid it for quite a while, but I've talked about it here, as have a number of honest pilot organizations relaxed the EKG standards because too many commercial pilots were failing their mandatory six-month first-class medical exams. After having been injected with that thing that causes, and this is a term that is now being used by actual doctors and scientific publications that aren't on the take, heart damage in literally everybody that gets a non-placebo dose of this stuff. And one more observation from this piece of Daily Mail BS. I looked. The word injection, the word vaccination, none of them so much as even appear in this bit of tripe. Oh, and here I'll go briefly out on a limb with a bit of speculation. If there are any accidents that look really suspicious over the next few months, guess what they're going to blame and what's not going to even appear in the story. If you're not mad about it, folks, you should be. Now, let me add one more thing. Personally speaking, I'm a private pilot. I've got just a little under two hours in a Boeing 767 simulator and a few hours of multi-engine time. Other than that, I've got about 3,000 hours in single-engine aircraft, primarily my Cessna 182. But I'll tell you what, I would sure as hell rather fly anything, whether I've got any time in it or not, than sit on a crowd killer behind some pair of pilots that I know have been injected with something that makes them medically unfit to fly. I'll say it again. If you're not angry, and if you're willing to get on a public cattle car crowd killer, it's because you simply don't know. And as more and more people are finally starting to realize, ignorance is not bliss. But on that score, we're just getting started for this evening. So stay with us with the bottom of the hour break, and we'll be right back. But the devil's pawn. Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Welcome back now to the second segment for this evening. I am again your host, Mark Hall. And this segment I'm going to organize a bit differently this week, not chronologically or even with some of the most important stories, but with some of the stories that, if we take a deeper look, are really the most revealing. So we'll start with one that fits that bill nicely, but as it turns out, it actually didn't even happen this week. It was just that for the most part, it went completely under the radar, and honestly, I didn't even hear about it either till this week. This next story is a lot more important than you've probably been led to believe. But matter of fact, you probably haven't heard about it at all unless you heard it here. But I suspect it was supposed to have been different. And maybe I'll also suggest up front, it helps to make the point that false flags, which don't turn out exactly as planned, are far more revealing than those that do. Which again is why you don't hear about them. So with a tip of the hat to Dr. Jeff Price Stupa, who tipped me off to this one, and uh, some of you may know him. He's been a guest on the Come Out of Her My People show as well as the Torah Teachers Roundtable. And it turns out he was aware of this one because he just happens to live fairly close to the event. And the local coverage, at least, thought it was worth talking about. And we'll begin with a coverage from the Colorado Sun, which tries to focus on state news. And they had something at the top of the article I thought was kind of interesting. The byline is from staff writer Olivia Prinzel. But they actually note that a lot of this is, quote, original reporting, which means first-hand sources. And they cite other sources as well. So even if there's some spin, it's at least refreshing to know what the sources are. Police believe, says the piece, a man armed with Guns, loaded magazines, and bombs whose body was found inside a woman's restroom at Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park and that's in the mountain community of Glenwood Springs, for those out of state, over the weekend, had fatally shot himself. The body of the 20-year-old, who was wearing, listen to this carefully, black tactical gear, among a whole lot of other things, we'll talk about that in a second, was discovered by a maintenance crew worker before the park opened on Saturday, said Garfield County Sheriff Lou Valario. And that was the last weekend in October, folks, just before the park normally closes for the season. The man was later identified by the coroner as Diego Barajas Medina. He was armed with, uh uh-oh, a Booga 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 AR-15, as well as a semi-automatic handgun, multiple loaded magazines for both weapons. There was body armor nearby and what appeared to be a ballistic helmet. Lots of insignias and so forth that looked like they could be law enforcement, says some of the other local coverage. And it says pipe bombs were found on the floor near the dead man's body, along with fake grenades that were clipped to his belt. Sounds really scary, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, the Denver Compost headline says, Extremely Lucky, Disaster Averted, Although They Don't Say Why, at Glenwood Caverns. Jeff suggested to me exactly what I probably would have thought if he hadn't pointed the story out to me first. Essentially, he suggested this almost sounds like another one of those Manchurian candidates who, rather than following through with his programming, decided to uh, off himself before that. So let's cut to the chase and the key quote that appears in some of the stories, but certainly not all of them. And, of course, most of the stories don't appear in the national news at all. Investigators found, quote, I am not a killer written in large letters on the bathroom wall in a stall near where Medina's body was found, said the sheriff. Now, folks, doesn't that sound just at least a bit unusual? Said the sheriff to reporters, quote, When I first saw this, it was definitely a realization that this type of danger has come to quiet Glenwood Springs, Colorado, rural Colorado, he said, rural America. And fortunately, for whatever reason, we may never know, although he was very highly prepared, very highly weaponized, he chose not to take advantage of any of that. Unquote. And uh, curiouser and curiouser, said Alice. On the bathroom counter, the story continues, authorities found a law enforcement-style duty belt holding several magazines with an AR-15 placed on top of the belt. The sheriff also said, quote, it certainly could have caused a devastating impact on this community, potential for many, many people to be killed or injured, he said. And again, here it comes. For whatever reason that we may never know, he chose not to take that path. And we're certainly all breathing a sigh of relief from that, unquote. The Colorado Sun notes that it would have been very challenging to even get first responders to the park, which can attract hundreds of people on any given Saturday in the fall, said Valario, because the Adventure Park is located high on a mountain above downtown Glenwood Springs, and it requires a gondola for the public to access. Authorities say they believe Medina entered the park illegally when none of the park staff were present. Here's a paragraph that should tip us off to what's coming hint, not much. The Garfield County Coroners conducting a death investigation and uh oh, the FBI is also assisting in the cover up uh, Investigation. 9news.com, which is a local Denver station and generally does a pretty good job on stories like this, covers most of the same information. But as at Glenwood Canyons Adventure Park released a statement saying the man was found dead during the park's pre-opening maintenance and security inspections, EMTs were contacted, local authorities responded, and they noted Glenwood Caverns has multiple security programs in place to keep guests safe, including an extensive network of security cameras, Uh, yeah, bet you're not going to see any of that footage, alarms, fencing gates, and posted signage. wonder if it says no guns allowed. We'll have to find that out. Lockout protocols, it said, provide protection for engineering, ride operations, and ride-restricted areas, as well as sensitive buildings. The investigators, sick, are interviewing family and friends to try to understand a possible motive for Medina's actions. So far, and this comes from the Denver Compost, the initial investigation, they said, showed no warning signs, no criminal history, no motive, and no reason for Medina's actions. Also, according to the sheriff... A graduate of Roaring Fork High School, the man lived with his mother and brother. And, listen to this, here comes the spin. His AR-15 and handgun were both, uh uh-oh, oh no, this is really scary, folks. Ghost guns, which are untraceable and can be made at home with 3D printers. And, oh, did I mention this? The article has the sheriff saying it twice. They're untraceable. What do you bet this 20-year-old didn't make it? I'm guessing somebody, maybe we'll never know who, provided him with them. Notice we didn't hear about anybody finding a 3D printer. I guess it's maybe a bit late to plant one at this point. And by the way, folks, your host can think of all kinds of potential holes in this story for those of you that have dealt with firearms manufacturing and the so-called ghost gun issue. Suffice it to say, it's been a full week now, and complete silence has followed in any follow-up stories since then. And this is, I suspect, where the Denver Compost got their headline. Said the sheriff, we got lucky. Yep, extremely lucky, said the post. Our community didn't this time have to suffer through like other communities have. But again, he said, we want to find out. Why? We want to dive into this and see what we can do to prevent these things from happening in the future. Unquote. And oh, yeah, that leads me to this line, which doesn't come from the Colorado Sun story. It doesn't come from the other stories that I'm looking at here, with one exception. NBC One reports that, and I'm quoting, investigators also said there would be no further information released by the Garfield County Sheriff's Office related to the Uh So-called, folks, investigation, unquote. And are you kidding me? Wonder why? Oh, wait a second. I'm going to suggest we already know the answer. It's just we're not going to see it. And even the local reporting, although I suspect behind closed doors, some of these decent staff reporters may be asking some similar questions. I'll point it out again. What does that suicide note written on the bathroom wall mean? I am not a killer. Now, some of the stories quote the entire thing, which says, not only I am not a killer, I just wanted to get into the caves. I'm not sure that that adds anything. Notice, folks, if you're an investigator, you'd recognize we're not sure exactly who wrote one or both of those things or whether it was even the same person or not. I'd like to see the crime scene photos, wouldn't you? Yeah, don't hold your breath. But I can't help but think, and here I'll speculate a bit, that this almost sounds like some kind of a Tim McVeigh or other-style patsy, the list is arguably long, who broke free of the programming or just decided he didn't want those 15 minutes of fame that his handlers promised and came up with a solution, painful as it might have been, that he perhaps thought might have thwarted their plans, temporarily, anyway. So I'll quote the sheriff again. Yeah, we'll never know, and I can't help but think, folks, since this one didn't seem to have come off as planned, that's precisely what Big Brother and his mainstream media ministries of truth want to happen. This one's just going to have to go away until they get it right. And whichever small, rural, not-so-lucky community happens to be next. Or maybe they'll just go back to the public cesspools for a few more rounds. So if it's not clear already, I'll answer the question at this point. Why did I spend so much time right up front today talking about something which sounded like it could have been really scary, didn't come off as planned, whoever it was that planned it, and just maybe a real harbinger of things to come, answer. Keep your eyes open, because these kinds of things, I can't help but think, especially with 10,000 potential terrorists a day coming across the non-existent southern border, are going to, uh, let me use the term, explode all across America. And guess who they're going to try to blame, at least for a while, until people decide... We've had enough of that, you know what, we're not buying it anymore. And we better start taking care of ourselves, packing heat when we can, coming out of places which are soft targets, and uh, generally just not believing anything of the BS that the waste stream will continue to try to shove down our throats. Oh yeah, and don't forget, there's going to be more and more artificial intelligence and deep fakes working in precisely the opposite direction too. Which, as it turns out, is a pretty great setup for where I need to go next. With another one of those stories where the real news is what they're trying to get you to believe and why, as opposed to what really happened, which you already knew. And furthermore, you knew they were going to lie about it, too. Now that the dust has settled at least a bit, but the smoke has gotten thicker than ever from what was called an election on Tuesday, we can start to ask the question, well, what does the election tell us? And the answer, nothing. If you've been paying attention, you knew it was those who count the votes that matter, not those who think that they're actually voting for something. But what the Ministry of Truth is telling us that the election is telling us speaks volumes. Are people concerned about an invasion at the non-existent southern border? Or that the military-aged men coming across by the tens of thousands may have mayhem or terrorism in mind? Not so as you'd notice. about the biggest debt bubble and imminent largest economic meltdown in human history? Well, it seems they haven't noticed that either. But I guess when it comes to World War III already in progress and Civil War II building towards an explosive climax, they seem to be just fine with that, even if they haven't figured out that their sons and daughters now are soon going to be sent off to die for it, somewhere else, of course. But none of that seems to have really mattered to people who thought their votes were going to go out and fix something, at least anything that needed fixing, because it was a real good night for Democrats to the headlines of all the major Wastream news outlets And let's do just a brief sample on that score to show you what I'm talking about. Republicans thought, say some of the stories, that they could get voters to flip the Socialist Senate and expand their majority in the House of Delegates in Virginia. Oh, so sorry. Sorry. Well, maybe not really. The Daily Mail headline puts it this way. Glenn Youngkin was stunned in Virginia, it says, as Democrats flip the House and retain control of the Senate. Republican touted as White House candidate. Not anymore, though. Suffers a crushing blow on his home turf as, ready for this? Here's the narrative du jour. Today, abortion rights take center stage at the ballot box, or at least those that are talking about who's counting the votes at the ballot box which isn't even a box anymore, folks. Think about it. It's just an Internet-connected socialist media platform, even more censored than two Facebook or Wikipedia. The ballots literally aren't worth the paper they're printed on, but how would you know? And the box itself looks more now like a photocopier. The Virginia results says the story was part of an overall good night. As a matter of fact, folks, an unbelievably good night, if you think about it, for the Democrats. I think it's fair now to say the Uniparty, a.k.a. the far-left progressives, which saw Kentucky's tyrannical scumbag governor, their own Mr. Lockdown, Andy Brashear, win re-election and abortion rights preserved in the so-called red state of Ohio. And all of this, they say, well, because Democrats put abortion rights at the center of their campaigns. Which is ironic because it's essentially the only right that anybody has left anymore. Well, unless, of course, you invade a once-free country for the purpose of sucking at the public teat. Or for that matter, and I guess you could make a pretty good case on this score, and we'll see this soon enough, killing the natives. I guess, folks, if it's not obvious, when you look at the destruction of a nation and all of the things that are not only going wrong, but that have been engineered to take the country down... I can't see that anybody with even a fourth of a brain, that's half of a half, of course, if you're not public school educated, would see abortion rights as anywhere close to the top of a list of important issues. Unless maybe you put it right up there with fisting in the public cesspools and subsidizing a tranny military. Evidently, they need somebody around to turn over the keys when the CCP finally hoists the communist hammer and sickle over the white whorehouse. After the election chicanery that we're kind of getting used to at this point, what some still aren't getting used to is how you're not allowed to talk about it. But don't worry, that's coming. We had report after report after report from various jurisdictions about votes getting flipped, the usual ballot box stuffing. A couple days back, one even accidentally got shown on CNN. Oops, let's cut to commercial intimidation at the polls, some of that even got recorded and then went viral up on the web, and electronic vote flipping to boot. Let's just do a sample of those headlines to kind of balance the scales here. The Gateway Pundit is among those, along with Alex Jones and Infowars.com, reporting that several voting machines in multiple districts across, for example, Pennsylvania, were flipped and had to issue emergency paper ballots, which is what they should have done to begin with due to, quote, votes getting flipped and not recording properly on their voting machines. Northampton County Executive Lamont McClure was clearly frustrated about the so-called problems at the polls and told local reporters at Lehigh Valley News, I'm livid at the election folks and E-S and S. Uh Uh-oh, wonder if they'll sue him because E-S and S, standing for election systems and software, SICK, Express Vote XL machines were used in those rigged elections. Oops, did I say that? Well, let's just say questionable elections. It's always that way, folks, when you see votes getting flipped. And isn't it interesting? They always seem to get flipped from the R column to the D column. What are the odds? And isn't that so amazingly consistent? And, oh, yeah, also from the life column to the death column, as we're being told in some cases this year. And as we've also seen, at least for a little while up online, voters even caught some of those switches being flipped in real time. Right there. And again, always in that same curious direction. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. Move along. Move along. And you know what? It's not that election interference is all that new. You can find it going on for at least decades, if not longer, certainly in the United States. Most people will think of Cook County in 1960 when John F. Kennedy, who probably was more honest than anybody that's been running in the last decade or two, beat Tricky Dick Nixon to become president with the help of a whole bunch of dead folks there. We know who his number two was waiting in the wings, and we know what happened soon thereafter. But they certainly did a better job of covering that up for half a century or so. Now they don't even really try. They just cram it down your throats and double-dog dare you to point out what's been going on. It's so obvious, unless you're a blithering idiot, you can't miss it. And you've, yep, certainly got a right to kill babies, but you do not have a right to talk about that. But I think what really bugs me this time around is the number of so-called conservatives, people who've seen through it in times past, that are now just simply drinking the Kool-Aid and rolling over for it. I won't name all of the names. One that I was really surprised by, though, is a fellow engineer who's also a talk show host and has had a pretty good following for a number of years. Like your host, he has a sordid past with a history of party politics and involvement in libertarian issues. But yeah, I was surprised to see him drinking the Stream Media Kool-Aid, as if the rigged election results were somehow what the Stream Media was really claiming they were. Some kind of a referendum on the God-given right to, no, not keep and bear arms, but take the arms and legs off of little kids especially if they were cut out of a womb early. I know this fellow knows enough about engineering and statistics in particular to recognize when the fix is in and the big lies going full tilt boogie, but in the heat of the moment, I guess you forgot some of that. What we saw wasn't a referendum, it's a con job, and it's still in progress. Case in point, at the so-called debate for the also rants in the Republican nomination, Nikki Newcomb-Haley, a true slime rhino if there ever was one, quote, secured loud applause, says the Daily Mail summary, as she used the third Republican debate to call for a consensus and civility in the key election debate over... You know it, abortion. The former South Carolina governor said Republicans needed to be, quote, realistic on the issue and says the coverage refused to support a federal 15-week ban on abortion, which takes the propaganda right back to the main narrative. The debate, it says, came a day after Republicans lost control of the Virginia legislature. Oh, yeah, got to believe it, for that very reason. Nothing to do with anything else where a key plank of the party's campaign had been that proposed 15-week ban. Cue the smoke and ignore the uh, elephant in the room. Doesn't matter what you debate about, what you care about, because the only thing that matters is if you're all focused on votes that aren't going to get counted and issues that will be spun as the excuse for what they plan on doing anyway. While your country's being invaded, your future is being destroyed, and your kids are being taken off to be literally sacrificed on the altar of Molech in some other place, I'll say it as kindly as I can. You don't have a prayer. One more quick comment to make the exact same point. Here's a literal direct quote from Rick Wiles of True News, who unfortunately was also drinking the same Kool-Aid. Also accepting, it would seem that the Virginia election was all about so-called abortion rights. The Democrats, he said, campaigned on the issue of killing babies, and they won. The voters said they want more baby killing, and he added, and we want politicians who will support our right to kill our children. Folks, he continued, you can't have this any other way. A majority of the people who voted Tuesday said, we want the right to kill our children. Now, here's the point. He may or may not be right. We are, after all, talking about someplace pretty blankety-blank close to the swamp. And I have no doubt there are a whole lot of people, there that really are jonesing to kill anything and everything they can. They want to cut the genitalia off little boys, the breasts off little girls. So they're, no doubt, anxious to kill kids, too, any way they can. We've seen that, no doubt about it. But... It's a far cry from that to assume that the election actually reflects anything of the sort or that the people who voted actually had their votes counted or have anything to do with the spin that's being reported in the waste stream media. And that's my point. And if they did it back in 2020 and got away with it and literally rubbed your noses in it and then persecuted the guy who actually won the election and are even pre-rigging this next election in ways they wouldn't have dared to, say, in 2016 – and took as many of his supporters as they could get away with and threw them in the Soviet-style gulags to boot, and nobody has even so much as raised a hand about that, and then they got away with it again in 2022... So how much more this time on November 7th, 2023, when so few people are even daring to speak up about what's so obvious, and now the focus is, oh, well, let's analyze the reasons why all of these people voted, or did they, in the way that seems to be so contrary to what you might expect, given all the really nasty stuff that's going on that isn't making waves as far as the waste stream is concerned. Most of America, and indeed the world, has now been conditioned to the deep state To the Ministry of Truth, to the Ministry of Love, and all the other totalitarian crap that Orwell warned about in 1984, and they can't even see it. And I do have to make one more point here. Am I saying that the election was rigged and it's categorically undeniable? Well, I would say it's statistically undeniable. But can you prove it in a court of law? Will you even be allowed to talk about it on Twitter or to Facebook? You know the answer to that. Besides which, we don't have courts of law anymore, folks. We haven't. And that's part of the problem. I can't help but think back to what John F. Kennedy once said. It should have been famous, but no longer seems to be taught in the public schools. Those who would make peaceful revolution impossible make violent revolution inevitable. And I have no doubt, I'll say it again, that that is precisely the goal of the deep state swamp critters who are pushing so hard in that direction and making sure that they make any kind of peaceful revolution impossible. And that means especially at the ballot box. Remember the four boxes in a free society? Soap, Ballot, jury, and cartridge used in this order? Well, they have managed systematically at this point to destroy all four of them. The Biden viewers put in the last wooden stake in that final box, even as we speak. And by the way, will it make a difference if you vote against it? No, because they won't count it anyway. And that was the point of the Second Amendment, if you remember what it was supposed to be about. And those four boxes in a free society explicitly make that point. So with all that on the table, what am I really trying to say about the election? Answer, we have known for a long time, we've known since certainly 2020 that this was precisely the path that was going to be taken. Why is anybody even remotely surprised at this? And why are so-called conservatives literally drinking the Kool-Aid and saying, we have to analyze the abortion situation and pay all kinds of attention to the message that the electorate is sending? The electorate isn't going to be allowed to send a message, folks. And this is the other thing that I want to make sure people understand. I'll say it again. Can we prove that the election was rigged and will be rigged? No, but that certainly is the way to bet, especially since really nothing has changed at all on that score. And more importantly, it's also the way not to be fooled. We're told in Scripture, one of my favorites from Matthew 24, see that you are not deceived, be not deceived. He says it several different ways in a number of different places, and it's definitely advice for our times. The one thing we literally know for sure is that free and honest elections are not on the table. You know you can't trust the machines, and you know you can't trust the reporting. So what the heck is the issue here? And between deep fakes and push polls and propaganda and all the other things that are going on, even the analysis of them is also going to be just as fake, just as rigged, just as manipulated, and just as bogus. Do not be fooled. Withdraw consent. I'm not saying don't vote. Vote if you want to. You can wish upon a star. You can keep on sacrificing children to Molech and asking him for a different result. You can avoid stepping on cracks. You can avoid walking under ladders. You can do all kinds of superstitious stuff. And ultimately, they all represent, uh, if you think about it, a form of idolatry to a whole different god. And maybe that's a big part of the problem. Once upon a time, folks, we had a nation of law based on what were called self-evident truths. That there is a God and that we have rights and they come from Him. Clearly, that's no longer true for whatever form of government has replaced that one. But interestingly, the only rights you still have left under that new set of gods are things that the God of the Bible actually said He hated, or worse. And as we close for this evening, I can't help but suggest that I think we're about to find out just exactly whose laws are going to end up working out better for those that live and die under them. in one way or another, as Big Brother continues to reveal his plan, that may be about the only thing we all may end up having any choice about.